0: Please welcome Teague Hunter and the Main Street Talks panel.
1: Let's do this
2: again. I was waiting for you guys to come out. I don't. Whatever. 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 Okay. Thank you guys for being here. Um, I'm gonna set the stage as well I sort of did at the end of the last. But that was Wall Street, so they talk macro. That's how, when I talk to the, These guys are all my friends. Thank you for being here, by the way. If I t- I talk to Main Street, the Wall Street guys on a regular basis, and all it's macro. It's all macro, macro, macro. These guys are sort of the opposite. This is micro day-to-day rolling up sleeves. I choose to believe we came by it honestly, but I believe these guys represent our attendees and our conference. This is what we do every day. Uh, thank you. You guys are the, uh, sort of the, the leaders of our industry, so we want to know what you guys are doing so that we can do the same, right? And we may have questions. Uh, so my introductions, Navin, Dimone, Uh I'm trying to look, Stonebridge uh, in Denver, uh, Colorado, Todd Turner, OTO in Spartanburg, Mayhul, Newcrest Image in Dallas, and DJ Oro in Greenville, South Carolina. And you can tell, even just by nature, I give with our cities, because that's what matters. The other guys were like, New York, New York, New York, who cares? (laughs) You, I sent it to Marcel's face. I think they know it's coming. Um, okay, so I want to talk about fundamentals and what's happening with our industry. Uh, but I do want to give you guys a chance to, to talk about what you're seeing macro before we dive in granular on sort of ops opposite RevPar and all the stuff that we love, right? So, DJ, I'm going to start with you. And again, with my basis, if I can, that we were... I think previously it's been a Wall Street world and for the last nine months it has been a Main Street world because we've been borrowing money from our local banks and our relationship lenders who have been lending to us at six and a half percent versus Scott's nine. And one of my fears though is that maybe that's all coming to an end. Is there gonna be this rush to quality and our Main Street gonna get tightened and everyone's gonna run to Bank of America and Wells Fargo and JP Morgan. And that our Bank of North Georgia is going to be tightened so with that stage sorry about that um give me your thoughts so
3: it's funny you ask that last tuesday i had a national bank visit us and their first statement was uh we're in good shape deposits are safe you don't need to worry but don't ask for any money for 18 months (laughs) and we have three loans coming up for renewal with them And they said, yes, cost of capital will go up. And I said, well, you're flush with capital. Why is my cost of capital going up? Because this is the time when I need you as a bank, where I need help from you. And, well, our costs have gone up, too, for doing business. And it's like fair games. Uh, So basically, they will renew the loan. They will increase the cost of capital. And, by the way, we may ask for 15 to 20% of the loan as a depository in our bank. So I think what's gonna happen as owners, you're gonna find that every bank is gonna put new twists to those loan documents and new uh, instruments that we're not used to. And also, oh, by the way, we have a treasury department. You gotta use our treasury for your company. Um, So we've been around for 50 years. This is our 50th year in this business as an owner operator. I think we've seen all different cycles. And my biggest recession was the COVID where 95% of revenue was stopped and we were dealing with 16 banks every day. So I think all of us will have to be ready to see what's gonna happen with all the Wall Street chat we had. But for 2023, I'm working for the banks. For all the revenue lift I'm having in 23 with the great return, I mean, top line, the middle, middle of the page is eating up the cost, but my cost of capital is bringing me at the net cash flow same as 2022. So it's a wash year for us as a company because I'm working for the bank and also the franchisor that you know, they haven't come back to me and say, well, I'm gonna lower your franchise fees because the cost of capital's gone up. So I think the fundamentals still are good, but we're gonna be working for the bank this year is what I see as an owner-operator. But not next year? Hopefully it gets okay. corrected, right. right? Hopefully the cost of capital, I think I heard 9% will come down to six. It will get better, uh, but we have about 85% on floating rate. So that's what we're dealing with. We don't have any CMBS loans, so at least you know the floating rate. We thought that when markets are strong, that's when we can afford to pay, uh, but that hasn't proven out this cycle.
1: May Me- who? Yeah, I think my approach would be a little different. Uh, I agree with DJ, but I think what happened last two weeks in the banking segment—it's purely power of communication and panic. Uh, today the bad news travel faster than anything else and with the technology it allow consumer to move the money faster pace if you look at 100 years ago if you want to withdraw money it takes hours or days to you know withdraw your money in today's environment you could move your money within seconds with your app while sitting here you could do that and no one has ever thought that liquidity crisis could happen large bank in a faster pace in a one day you could three hours you could withdraw $42 billion, right? So that's a short-term panic issues that happen and I think people are addressing that. And I think federal government shows some sign to stabilize that by saying uninsured, you know, there would be a backstop. So I think that's a good protection, what federal government is doing that. I think what DJ mentioned with Community Bank, we also own a bank, it's owned by the family. So we looked at the banking business fundamental would be strong, I think that's a core competency and core uh, strength of this, com- uh, this country to provide lending uh, to businesses. That's the only way the business would thrive. And the trust has to be there. So I think the banking system will get another strength level, but it's going to take some time. People are just coming out of it. And every, every bank has a different story. Some bank has capital issues. Some bank has deposits issues. Some bank has credit quality issues. So every bank is dealing with their issues. And we're just coming out of COVID. So today, if you look at it, a lot of owners are looking for CapEx money. A lot of banks are having renewal issues. A lot of banks did a fixed loan. They're dealing with that issues. And a lot of banks have maturity coming up where the bank is like, I don't want to renew your loan. So there's so much happening at the same time. And last two weeks term also. So I think everybody's trying to navigate through this challenge. I think we'll figure this out. It's not a issue but time in moment we're dealing with a crisis and no one has crystal ball how to navigate those challenges. So I think we'll overcome that part. I think the most important aspect I would say is relationship. Every single person sitting in this room has a relationship with their community bank, large bank, small bank, whatever they have it. And if you continue to nurture that relationship you will find a path to get through that part. I mean we did it in COVID and what DJ mentioned there are new instrument has came in that every lender is requiring deposit relationship, 10, 15% of your loan. They want to use more product, but the bank is also pressured by different margins. So everything is happening at the same time, and there will be a new way of doing banking out. say you'll see some changes that happening. And so that's that's what I would say to you. I'll come back to that bunch to unpack there. But Todd, what are your bankers telling you
2: today?
0: Well. Uh- Mahul hit it on the head, it's relationships and they're partners of ours and we treat our partners better than we treat ourselves. And so we see, you know, some deals have issues where we're gonna miss a covenant down the road. We try to get ahead of those and let them know, hey, we're gonna have an issue six months out. Let's start talking about how we can step in and try to help solve this together. I think that's really important. We don't want to be jumping into something at the very minute, very last month when we're uh, you know gonna put them in a bind and put us in a bind with them. So that's a big part of what we're trying to do is is be aggressive and and be good partners and and not a lot to add to what they've said but we've been dealing with about the same dozen banks for a couple decades in cases and very strong relationships a lot of trust and the last deal we closed we closed the deal three weeks ago and you know, favorable terms the terms were struck probably at the end of last year but you know you know when when the problems happened two weeks ago our, our CFO and our uh, lead of our investment fund reached out to all of our banking relationships just to let them know that we're not moving any money anywhere and got ahead of that and just to uh, reinforce that partnership and that we're going to go through whatever it is together so so let me pick up on that on the moving of money because part
2: of it if i can frame it like during covid the banks leaned in and said don't worry about it guys we're here we're here we'll give you six months we're here with you i'm fascinated now ironically the borrowers you guys the depositors have the power and is the relay is it really back? So your deposits arguably mean more. So did you show the same favor, or did you rush out and take all your money and put it in B of A and Wells Fargo and JP Morgan? Left it all? We let left it, it, sit. it all. Yeah. Did you add more because you knew they were needed strength? Not yet. Not yet until you need a loan and then you add right. 15%. Point, yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> all right. Navin, coming to you because you have all the answers. Everyone, Navin has all the answers. Uh, what are you seeing from your seat in the banking world?
4: Um, you know, I think the primary thing that happened in the last two weeks is really about confidence, and and banking does work on confidence. And you, you, you think the the run on the bank. Why why did it happen? There was an element of confidence that was lost. And like was said earlier, news travels extremely fast. If I pull money, my peers look at me and go, why is he pulling his money? Something's up. In some fashion, we're all fiduciaries of capital. You know, and, and unless it's your own money, your fiduciary, maybe still to your family, you're probably still a fiduciary, and everybody lives in probably some form of partnership world. So if you're a fiduciary, you look at the guy to the left, look at the guy to the right, and go, why is everybody pulling their money? I'm not gonna sit around. I've gotta pull it. I've gotta put it to a safer place. So that's really what happened, and it was because of confidence. The other thing that happened in this case, at least with Silicon Valley Bank, was really about concentration of power. So what I mean by concentration is um, the Silicon Valley world really is on venture capital. Venture capitalists. if I'm the venture capitalist, I've raised money from hundreds of investors, and I invested into different companies. I have my portfolio of companies. And if I'm Peter Thiel, and I send out a message and say to all my CEOs, and say, pull the money now, guess what they're gonna do? Pull the money now. And that's really what happened. Ultimately, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. but that can happen to anybody. Um, so the loss of confidence race really, of so your everybody's got money they've got a bank where do you take it arguably you take it to the top four banks in the country so you have JP city A, wells because number 5 there's a trillion dollar spread between number 4 and number 5 so is there a tiered system does that happen let's hope not i don't think we want that but money has clearly moved upstream to the biggest banks and people are just going to do that They they don't want to be the the sucker sitting there going, I've lost my money. Right. Right? Do you think,
2: getting nerdy here, and and maybe even a little political not trying to, do you think there were problems with SVB management and that they made poor decisions? And what I want it to be is a yes, by the way, so that that is just one bad bank. I can blame them, but I know your answer. Or do you think that, no, they they did nothing wrong?
4: No, this is solely my opinion. Yes. Not of anybody else's. I don't think there was anything materially wrong with what they did. A bank could do three things with their money. They can loan it out, they can hold it, or they can buy instruments, and usually treasuries. They bought treasuries. It's the safest instrument you can buy. Their issue was the term of the treasuries did not match the acceleration in interest rates that were absolutely... Unprecedented. So when they were buying the treasuries, if you looked at the forward curve, it was relatively shallow. And if anybody sat around the boardroom and they said, hey, we're doing this. How does it look? What's a forward curve look like? You would have said, this is okay. I think just about everybody in this room would have said it was okay. But it turned out it wasn't. And I don't know if anybody could have really guessed that. And the concentration and and the, the, the confidence that was lost in the system so quickly is really, really unusual. And and if you look at their normal ratios, they had plenty of money for their normal money leaving and coming in. That cadence was well covered by the bank. But this event wasn't well covered. Now the best thing I think the Treasury did, the Fed did, and the FDIC did, is really on that Sunday basically just said, we're backstopping this. Because had they not done that, I think you really lose confidence Monday morning. Every bank from the bottom up would have just lost money. There was still a lot of movement in capital, but it would have been a disaster, again, in my opinion. So I I think our government entities did did the right thing. They they created some calm. It's not completely calm, but it's better than it could have been.
2: Do you think it's a sign of what's coming, or do you think it was a one-time deal?
4: It's, it's hard to say. My general sense, hopefully, all, all the banks that have been involved—Republic, um, I- including our, you know, the, the, the Swiss banks and Credit Suisse, um, as well as um, um, signature. signature Bank. Let's hope this is it, and there's plenty of calm. And the calm has been destroyed. Even the Swiss National Bank—they you know, stepped up right away. I think they put in 55 billion uh, and then they essentially brokered a deal with UBS to buy um, uh, Credit Suisse, which would now be probably the second largest bank. Um, so anyway, I, I, I think we're in good shape. So unlike 08,
2: right, the first signs were in March and then the collapse was in September.
4: Yeah, You're not seeing collapse in September. Oh. And you know, the other thing to fundamentally remember is this hasn't been caused by bad loans, right? Right. And, and if things went really rogue, saying, people are cowboys and they're making bad loans," that's not what happened here, right. right? It's not happened at all. And if you looked at the old days, some of you can probably remember is the FDIC issues and the RTC um, in you know the late '80s and early '90s. That was just flat-out bad loans, right? We have a very different issue today. Um, that just it just happened, you know.
1: Mahul, you're about to be a banker or a banker. See anything different? No, I think I agree with you. But I think more important today, the confidence, what Nav talked about it is, in 100 years, there's 10,000 bank fail, And I don't think consumer has lost money. When there is a bank who buys, fail bank, they always assume all the deposits. So I don't think consumer has lost money. So what government did right now, backstop, I think it shows confidence. I think they're putting a plan for next two years to provide that backstop. So I think we'll see that strengthening. And like the, every bank has smaller issues today because at the smaller level, the people are moving their money. Mm-hmm. If one bank is paying 3% and the other one is paying 4%, they're moving their money. So there is small domino effects are happening and people are just trying to figure out what's really happening. So it's a liquidity crisis more than the bad loans, I would say. Okay, so talk to me. Let's
2: talk about this, one. I'm gonna call the trickle-down effect, right? Part of the concern is all the money goes to the big four, and then the local bank doesn't loan. And I would argue the local bank is the fundamental of our industry right now. So I think that's a real concern, a big concern. Should we be concerned?
3: I think we'll be concerned about uh, construction financing, I don't think that happens, $20 million and under, we usually go to a regional bank, and I think that's out of question for the... You think company. they're done? You think the regional bank is not going to give you construction financing? I think it's going to be harder. Okay. Uh, if you're a good sponsor, a good project, I think it can happen. But I think it's, uh, I think we have to take a pause pill right now for ground-ups.
0: You agree? Uh, Todd, let's... Yeah, see. I think it's going uh, to prolong that 1%-ish supply growth, maybe even lower than that right. now. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think it's all good for macro. There's some murmuring, I hear it. So look, I'm keep picking on you. You have you have a dozen
2: banks with that you've had long relationships yes. with and you guys develop. That's what you do. Yes. What does your next twelve months look like?
0: Uh we are you know, our banks who have told us they're on a pause for now until they just dust settles. But for us as a portfolio and our objectives, we have for most of our life going back to extended state America been ground up guys. And we kind of added the acquisition piece about six years ago. And of the past 16 transactions we've done, 14 have been acquisitions pretty much. So we made that shift.
2: So I'm gonna pick on this. They were developers and now they bought and that's that last nine months that I've been saying that Main Street became the buyer. So before in theory they couldn't compete with the Wall Street guys who had cheaper cost of capital, cheaper debt, it wasn't their money, etc. And so those guys were the buyers for 20, 21, 22 and then for the second half of twenty-two to now, the last nine months, these guys have been the buyers, right? You bought fourteen of
0: sixteen deals was acquisition, and before that was zero. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we we do have two under construction right now. Uh, we're building an AC in Naples and an AC in Jacksonville, and we have another project in our pipeline that is scheduled to not start for two more years. So we have. A little while for the dust to settle, and we'll see. but right now, I don't think you could get a, a ground up loan, and we don't have any air pipeline. We like, um, like our mix of acquisition and very selective uh, new construction. That model's worked great for us. Um, you know been focusing in leisure markets like a lot of us, but also some of them that are just kind of bullseye in markets with a bright future. It doesn't have to be on the beach for us, but we sure do like that. We've learned to love that.
2: I mean, there's so much there. One, I'd like to talk markets. Two, construction costs, but let's do construction
0: costs. Your developer, I'd like to talk about what happened to the cost of building. Yeah. one Does example, it, well, might not
2: matter, because you can't get a loan, so who right.
0: cares? Well, th- this one project that's in our pipeline uh, is actually on Long Island. It's sort of outside of our current target zone, but we built one there that opened, uh, we got the loan seven years ago, and the cost to build was $275 a foot. And what we're modeling for this new one is like $450 a foot. So oh. that's a 90% increase over a seven-year period, and that's about 10% a year, right? And you know, you better be in a damn good market that can absorb that type of uh, increase in cost. So I think that effect, too, is also going to keep the new supply really What's damn. your prediction on future costs? And if no well, one's building? I, I don't think it's going to get cheaper I don't think the escalation is going to continue to go up like it has been over the past you know four years has been a brutal escalation we, this Naples project we are doing um, over the two years of our diligence and entitlements our cost went up 11 million dollars oh. and fortunately it's Naples and, and that market has just been killing it and the site is tremendous so that's something that's hard to stomach right if you go into it underwriting very reasonable uh, costs and it goes up 37 percent in two years. That's that's, that's rough, but um, that's one I'm very glad we're continuing on. And and uh, but there aren't very many places that you can do that. DJ, same
3: thing. So I was talking to a contractor in the, on the floor here, and I was just asking block and plan construction costs. What's happening? It's $200 to $220 a square foot in the southeast, and. I said, what about stick frame? Isn't it cheaper? He said, it's only $11 cheaper than a block and plank. So I think um, cost of construction will keep rising. It's funny how Steve Rushmore used to put the valuation of per room year over year. We built our first Hampton Inn in Augusta at $45,000 a door, and today we're building select service at $330,000 a door. So it's crazy how the elasticity of pricing and cost And will it come down? I think the other thing he mentioned to me is the supply chain is disrupted. So therefore, they are not able to price properly. And that's also causing a major issue until things get corrected in the logistics side of the equation. But um, I feel when I hear these stories, I don't want to take out any project out on construction right now and just basically focus on your design and permitting. And then get ready when the time comes, right? And keep kicking it down the road. Keep kicking down the road.
2: Uh, Adam Sachs, the said that the economist said that uh, supply chain was all but fixed. Agree or disagree?
0: It's tough to find lighting for us, which is um, all coming from China. But but we're on our renovation projects. We're doing. We're trying to look. You know, add like double the time that it would should normally take, and. So far, we've, we've been okay. We've had to find a few replacement items for some things that were supposed to deliver before Memorial Day, and we've had to build in backups uh, from the very beginning. If this order doesn't come from China, what are we gonna do domestically or somewhere closer that's more reliable? But uh, there are certain things where it's still hard, hard to peg. It's much better than it was a year ago or 18 months ago, but still longer and tougher to be confident in.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, but we're still having supply chain issues yeah, and we'll continue so. yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Mayhul, you've sort of you know, morphed into what you're doing, right? Sorry, but you've sort of sold everything twice
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and are now a consolidator and a banker and a money mover and the like.
1: What are you seeing? Yeah, you like I your th- new spot instead th- of an th- operator? I think it's Gave everything to Cambridge. I think selling the management company was the best thing. Uh, I think it allowed, it was holding us back to a degree. And it allowed us to buy 90 hotel last year. Uh, we're still closing portion of it. We're closing this Thursday, last seven. So it's been a great journey for us. We were able to borrow the debt because of the relationship we have. So we bought 90 hotel and we're still figuring out selling portion of it. And we'll continue to buy. So I think we like this, uh, spot where we are today that we're able to buy, create a value and able to sell and not have to manage. Uh, we have six management companies who manage for us today. So we pick the best operator who's the right for that asset and be able to manage that. We're also growing in India. Uh, oh, yeah. We have one asset that we build. We're buying a second one. So we have a pipeline that growing India team there. So. I think where we are today, we're doing real estate, banking, debt fund, alternative investment, and public equity. So we kind of have diversified our investment thesis a little bit more broader and more of a managing capital than really getting things on it. But, you know, we're still doing development. We have few in the pipeline, and so we're focused on everything where we like and kind of diversifying our capital more strategically than just being – Hundred percent in real estate space. We're going to kick you off our Main Street panel <laughs>
2: next year. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. Uh, Navin, help me. Uh, one, what are you doing with your with your cash? Where are you guys spending it? Where are you trying to deploy it? Uh, and is inflation going to help us or hurt us?
4: I, I say, let me say the last question first. I, I think inflation generally hurts um, just about everything other than if you've got cash and you're trying to put it in a bank and earn some interest, I think it's the one place that it help you. Outside of that, just about every class of asset, regardless of what it is, interest rates go up, values come down, and it's no different than cap rates. Cap rates move up. The good news is, I think, cap rates have not moved up as much as one might expect them to, really because people look at the forward curve and say, this is really temporary. Yeah. Uh, and if you really think it's temporary, which I certainly think it is, then you know, there's gonna be a bid-ask difference. Um, if you're a seller, you're just not gonna give up the, the ups on the deal.
2: Um, to put, to, sorry to interrupt you, but to put math to that, so we were selling assets at let's call it a seven cap, but people could borrow it three or four, right? Right. And now your borrow is somewhere six and a half to nine. Pick your number. Does right. that mean our cap rates are 11? No. They're, no, Then they're, 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 they're
4: eight. Uh, they went from yeah. <laughs> maybe nine. Maybe they moved up a little bit, but really what I'm saying is that they moved up temporary. So one may actually do a negative leverage deal. Yes. So maybe I'm buying a seven-cap deal, but I'm paying 8% interest on 60% of the money. Why would you ever do that? Why would anyone ever do that? You would do that because if you believe this is temporary, let's say, call it 18 months, two years, after that, I'm going to refinance that debt and I'm going to be back down at a more sort of let's call it somewhat normal cadence of a rate. And, and maybe that's 5%, maybe it's 45 So if, you, if you're a long-term holder, if you got a whole period of say at least a minimum of seven years, you're gonna say, you know what, I'll go ahead and do that. Because I know this is a two-year period, that I'm gonna be a little bit upside down, but I'm okay in the long run. I, th- I think that's why you do that. When we're underwriting, that's exactly what how we're underwriting deals. What are you underwriting?
2: We're talking like nerds here. What are we underwriting long-term interest rates as?
4: Um, huh. it, I, I'm going to say we're, we're probably anywhere as low as four and a half and as high as maybe six, so in, in that range. Yeah.
2: DJ? And sorry, is his earlier point, is that why you're working for the bank? Negative leverage when you say you're working for the bank, is that a great example of working for the bank? Well, I mean,
3: our, our cost of capital from last year just... Overall... Twelve percent was last year. This year, sixteen percent, uh, four points higher. So, going back to your question, I mean, we're any underwriting we're doing, we're looking at eight percent uh, cost of capital that we're baking in.
2: Even long term, or just today, no, just ten percent, just temporary. What do you think long term is going to look? Six. Are you willing to do a negative leverage deal today?
3: If the deal is good and the bases are right going in. I think the fundamentals of basis always stays uh, in this um, space. So what basis, I like- price per key. Price per key. Yeah. The other thing is the hotels that we currently own, the cash flow that you're generating, in order to generate the same cash flow, you'll have to invest probably 30 to 40% higher cost of development. So existing hotels have tremendous value, hold on to them, not that I'm promoting that, but I think that existing hotels renovate them and you see what inflation has done for our ADR and the tailwind that it's provided um, and that's a it's a darling for the hotel space
2: that was my question on inflation good or bad I agree it's bad in general but in theory right real asset values go up we're in the hotel space we can raise rates every day we can raise rates and go with it we've seen a lot of that to an extent to your point do you think that continues
3: I think it continues, and I think the airline industry did a fantastic job. Try to book an airline from here to yes. Vegas, and it's incredible what's happening. And then all of a sudden, that the hotel side, I, our revenue managers, you know, they were all living in the COVID mindset that oh, I shouldn't price this. But then we, as owner operators, have to push the needle and say no, just slap a twenty dollars and see what happens. Let's take the ocean view or the river view, and it's amazing what we're seeing on ADRs. I am. I mean, incredibly fiberglassed that that same hotel room pre-COVID was like let's say 170 ADR and now you're at 275 you just can't comprehend it's like why don't we give out more M&Ms in the guest room and make sure the value proposition is there.
4: 50 cent bag of M&Ms. You know inflation if you look at classes of real estate we are arguably in the best class of real estate in an inflationary environment we're the best hedge when it comes to real estate. Our, our leases are daily. So as inflation hits, you can raise your rate. If I've got an office building, a retail, industrial center, I could have a 10-year lease, 15-year lease, 20-year lease, and there's probably going to be structured increases. While inflation is you know, rampant, and my rents are essentially fixed. Right. Right? So we, we do live in a business that is the best in an inflationary period.
2: Is office coming back? Are people coming back to the office?
4: Uh, is office coming back? I, I would say no to class B and C. If you're A plus office in really good locations, uh, I think you actually crush it. Why? Because there's a, you know, it's a flight to quality. If you're trying to bring back your people and you know, you're trying to retain and recruit talent, you better have the nicest space and the best location, highly amenitized area, highly amenitized building, um, otherwise, you're going to struggle. And, and for most businesses, the biggest cost is human capital cost. Right. And paying a few extra bucks for office rent is really de minimis when you compare it to your cost of uh, human capital.
2: Do you, what do you think the worker's attitude is? Do they come back readily or no?
4: I, I think some want to come back. Uh, like Our office is 100% in the office. Uh, that's our entire culture. We've been like that throughout, Same. and it has absolutely works. Um, but there's some who don't want to, and if they don't, they're, they're not part of our team. They're, they're gonna be somewhere else. But I do think that you know, in the last three years, um, if you look at stock prices of, of a lot of the large publics, they've done so well. So I think that people have sat at home and done their work remotely and decided, well, look at the stock price, look at this, look at that, everything's real, all the metrics are so good. Let's just sit at home. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the, the impacts uh, are sort, of, sort of manifest themselves now and particularly if you know we're, we're seeing some softening, and if you look at uh, the large tech companies, you see massive layoffs. I I think that's going to start. You know, people are going to really start thinking about their, their culture, you know, the culture, the the team building, the the inspirations, the creativity. All of that happens, I think, face to face. Agreed. Uh, and and I think it's also a innate human need to be together, which honestly, in a lot of ways, not only bodes well for. I think the office building also bodes well for our business because the only way we sell a product is when somebody arrives in our buildings.
2: Yeah. Um, Todd, talk to me about some of the nerdy stuff, labor, uh, insurance costs. I mean, your beachfront, what's happened to your insurance costs on the beachfront?
0: Well, our our team was just in London uh, meeting at the, the Lloyds building with a lot of our underwriters and we still haven't heard the response from that meeting about what what uh rates are going to do we know they're going up that's for sure yeah i'll tell you uh yeah exactly uh, but we haven't heard the news or how bad it's going to be but we're, we're you know bracing for some big increases of course because we have um nine hotels on the sand now and you know they have dodged the bullets so far but we know odds are we're going to dj what's going to happen something. is insurance rates
3: i'm following him in london april 14th oh you are okay yeah, yeah. so we we have to go deal with our property insurance um, wages pre-COVID to post-COVID, our line level wage has gone up by 18%. And um, I think all of us were in that same boat. September, unemployment benefits slowed down, then the applications came in, and I think things are stable at our hotels, which you will see. And I think management wages, uh, pre-COVID, post-COVID, were up by 10 to 12%. And I think these are permanent costs that's built into our system now. We can't take that out. So what we're doing is using more technology to create, you know, the efficiency of scheduling and also work flex, all of the above. I think today, associates' culture, it, it's here to stay. It's not a fad. Um, they remember what you did during COVID, and that's where you're getting on the back end um, if they want to stay around because they all have options and choices. Um, so I think we our business of uh, taking care of associates, associates taking care of our guests. Mantra will remain uh, against all odds, and I think we all have
2: to stick with our needing of operations. Um, on my insurance, we're, we're here, in, especially on sand, we're here in doubling and tripling. That's real. I hope you're wrong about that. Yeah. Keep us posted, let us know. Yeah. Will you send us all an email when you get back? <laughs> of what you learned? Uh, Mayhul Marcel talked about, he thinks that buying opportunities are coming. Distress, we haven't used that word yet. What do you see?
1: I think I wouldn't call so much of distress, but I would call there would be a number of opportunity would be there because last 48 months, renovation hasn't happened. And that is continue to push down the can because of Honor doesn't have the capital. They use that capital in COVID era. So there's capital is not available and the PIP costs are probably double than what it pre-pandemic was there. So I think the brand and owner would have some sort of a dialogue. And if you have 15 hotel, and if you all have to invest capital in 10, 50%, 70% of your portfolio, where do you get the capital? The banking is not providing capital today. And so the question is, what do you do? And the owner would be corner to sell some asset. So that's where I see the opportunity. And I think with the cost of capital today, that's where the cap rate will kind of have to say, Is it at eight or is it at nine cap, am I selling it? And so that's where we see opportunity. So it would be a forced sell, and that's where the opportunity would be created. And I think the owner may have a timing. I think the other opportunity would come in the space is maturity. Many of the loans are coming maturity deal, and the banks are not there to renew it. So what do you do? So I think those are the stuff that happening out there.
2: Yeah, so I'm gonna repeat what you just said, and then Navin chime in. I agree, I have a bank maturity coming that I can't refinance. Yep. I have a PIP come due that I can't get capital to help. So it's not distress. my fundamentals are still fine, fine at the property, right, level, still doing fine, thank you very much. I just have this financing banking issue that I'm trying to work through. Yeah. And
1: maybe I am, then my only exit is a disposition. And, and you know, that owner may have bought that asset five, 10 years ago, right. so he's fine, he's gonna make money but he's not making what he was. He's probably making only 75% of the profit that he hoped for that 100% I would get it, but he's not monetizing today's value. He's just gonna have some money on table, at least 25%, I would say, today. From peak? Peak. Which was March of 22, somewhere,
2: June, July, June. June. Yeah, June of 22. Yeah. So from June of 22 to today, you think values are off 25%. That's, yeah. I like it. We're all looking around. No one wants to answer. Navin? <laughs> I, 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 He's got I all don't the think they're off
4: 25%. I, I think the number is substantially smaller. No. And for some assets, it's actually up. Yeah. Um, and, and I think if you really look at trophy assets, um, right. that, 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 that is up. And, and, and I think I go back to the temporary word is there a period in which the, the values are off? And I think it also depends on the individual. And I think maybe you don't use the word distress but maybe use the, the word sort of pressure. You're under pressure because you, your fundamentals are good, but you've got a loan maturity, and you've got the brand breathing down your back because you've got to do a renovation, and you don't have the cash. You, you know, then you, you know, and, and the bank, the new bank that's gonna give you a loan wants to pay down because they won't finance the same amount previously because you can't meet the DCR test. So in that case, you might just say, you know what, I'm gonna sell. And, and how badly do you need to sell? How much pressure are you really under? Do you have three assets, four assets, five assets, all in the same situation? Or do you have three in that situation, you got seven that are doing really well, so your net, net as a portfolio, you're gonna be okay. So I, I think it depends, but I don't think the values systemically are down 25%. I, I don't think that's the case at all.
1: No, I think what I was trying to say is, 20, if you were to buy today, maybe 25% people are looking for a discount. It hasn't dropped that value, but if you are a buyer today on new cost of capital, you would seek for that kind of a discount if you are looking for it. But, but the owner may not be willing to sell so it. So you
4: might say that the bid ask is
2: a it, 25% yeah, gap. 25% the bid, ask. bid ask,
1: that's where I was getting. Okay.
2: Sorry, you were saying the bid ask spread, yes, is 25%.
1: Because today, if you were to buy at 9% rate, property tax, property insurance, utility cost, and labor, when you look at all that cost and when you underwrite, how do you underwrite? You need that discount to buy to the, in today's environment, right? If you're underwriting today, you would say, okay, I'll buy, but I need 20%, 25% discount for us to transact today. Value hasn't dropped, but that's what the buyers and seller, in order to transaction to happen, that's what the discount needed in order to make the number work. Or you could just wait 12 months out and you may get your value at that point. But if you're selling in next 12 months, I think the buyers are, looking for that kind of discount to make the number work. What does the world look 12 months from now? We're here 12 months from now. What are we talking about? What does the world look like? I think the rate may drop by, uh, you know, in sixes overall, where we're talking about nine today. Hopefully it gets down in 12 months to a 6% rate.
0: I like what Adam was saying earlier. I mean, it's, um- I was very encouraged by all of the indicators he's, he pointed to that are data and all pointing in the right direction. I think we're going to have a bumpy road, but I think it is uphill. Adam?
4: I think for this industry, people aspire to travel, and, and with that, I'd say a year from now, we'll be a little bit better than we are today. Interest rates will likely be um, lower than today, just looking at the forward curve.
2: Yeah, they kind of have to be. I agree with all of
3: them, but the other one I like is the work flex schedule. After COVID people are looking for happiness and uh, our Sunday occupancies are higher. People are traveling on Sunday and checking back out on Wednesday and moms and dads are in the lobby plugging in for school. So it's a new behavioral change that's happening on travel. And you see that around the world. And there's a travel revenge happening out of China too. And I think a lot of the mayors got together and wrote a letter because our government's not giving visas to China. So I think next 12 months, people are still coming out and experiencing travel. And I think our ADRs will keep going up, and our existing hotel values will keep going up. Great.
2: Um, And with that, uh, my clock's run. So thank you guys so much. We could go on for hours. Thank you guys for attending.
4: Thank you.